three, two, one. What the f*** are you doing? Checking with Eric. There's our opener right there. What the f*** are you doing? That poor boy. With friends like you and his enemies. You're listening to Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong. Welcome to episode 176 of the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my podcast partner in crime, writer, journalist, owner of the Georgia Virtue, Jessica Salaji. Hi. How was your week? It was it was really great. How was yours? Busy. I think we were both slammed last week. Mm-hmm. Why were you busy? Because it's summer? Yeah, because it's hot. <laughs> Did it rain, though? And... Uh, it did. Oh man, the other the other night last week, it it, it was weird because I was I had the Braves game on TV and they had like a couple drops of rain and it was dumping buckets here. I mean, lightning. I mean, thunder rattling the house. And I'm watching the Braves game that is literally 15 miles away from here, and and, and they're out playing. It's like it was super localized, super strong storms. Yeah. What about you guys? We didn't have I know it's, we didn't have a ton of rain. Um but we had a lot of thunder the last several days. And I made my own hurricanes. You made your own hurricanes, I nice. Did. I did. But we'll talk nice. about we'll talk about this. Riveting small talk about weather mm-hmm. on a podcast. Yes. <laughs> uh hope everybody had a good fourth of July. I hope that everyone ended the weekend with as many fingers as you started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's I awkward most, as heck. No, 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 no. Most of our listeners are probably too mature for blowing stuff up, but I'm not. So. It's 4th of July. It is 4th of July. So, and actually, as the show drops, it, it is 4th of July observed. Don't try to go to the bank today. They're closed. So Donald Rumsfeld is expired. Are you supposed to say it like that? I mean, the both youngest and second oldest serving Secretary of State, serving under both Ford and uh, Bush 43. Are you going to steal the joke that we were talking about from that article? No, no, but there is a great Duffelblog article on there. I don't want to plagiarize them. Anybody who knows who the Duffel Blog is, it's a satirical site around military service. So it, it was it was making fun of him and uh, him being sad over the ending war in Afghanistan, and that's why he expired. But it, it's a it's a funny article. It's worth reading. Not so funny. Bill Cosby's out of jail, but he. I I see all the stuff coming across social media and on the news about how how this is how rich people are treated. Uh, it's a technicality. It's a technicality. It's a technicality. And from what I've read, he entered into a deal with a prosecutor to testify. And then when the new prosecutor took over, that person reneged and put him on trial. So I I. Personally, don't think Bill Cosby is completely innocent of all the charges. But those technicalities, and I'm putting air quotes as if anybody can see me, are what protect all of our rights. 
that we don't have a prosecutor make us a deal to testify and then turn around and go, you know what? Forget it. We're going to prosecute you anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think, don't you think that even if that hadn't happened, that it would be, there would be lots of room for Cosby to argue that he didn't get a fair trial just because of who he is and all the publicity and, and so, I mean. Oh, sure. You want to talk about poisoning a jury pool? Yeah. It was 24-hour coverage. There's And there's nobody in that jury that gets, if you say, do you know the defendant? Yeah. That's Bill Cosby over there. Eddie Murphy did uh, when he did his a, his Mark Twain award. It, look it up again. It's not going to be something we're going to link to our page, but it is hilarious. Of course, him going back to doing Eddie Murphy raw and doing the Bill Cosby voice and all that stuff, and it was perfect. It wasn't over the top. He didn't take cheap shots, but was still funny and. Honestly, I, Murphy needs to get back out on the road, do some stand-up, because he's still got it. Now, not funny. Nearly every new law passed by the Georgia legislature this session is now in effect. Mm-hmm. So all the terrible things we told you about are reality, just about. I mean, there were a couple things that either had to be on the ballot this year or next, or um, just simply don't take effect until next year but there's a lot that does that does start like um well of course of course like the covid restrictions and the tax standard tax deduction increases that they have and the prohibition of police departments slashing their budgets um i don't know all the re- really important yeah, work the they porch do piracy thing of course student athletes getting paid um, you can now burn trash in your yard. You can also burn yard debris without notifying um, state governing body. Which is, um, I live in Paulden County. Mm-hmm. Burning trash in your yard is just the way things are done out here. Um, about, I mean, I I torch just about everything in my yard, in my field, and nobody's ever said a thing. I didn't even know you had to ask permission until this bill, but. Um, we used to do an annual annual burning of the Christmas tree at my, yeah. my younger brother's house, and that involved a very dry pine tree, uh, a bottle of Elmer T. Lee usually, or uh, some other bourbon, and we stand there like you know two half wits laughing as we set the tree on fire. I said like two half wits. I guess we are two half wits. Mm-hmm. In but at least we're not Virginia. Well. Yeah, I mean, they are really taking on the hard-hitting issues. Uh, New Virginia law bans outdoor balloon releases with fines of $25 per balloon. I get it. Releasing balloons is not good for the environment. I mean, they go somewhere. They The animals can ingest them. They have ribbons and all this. But really? Really? Anyone 16 or older who intentionally releases or discards a balloon that is not biodegradable um, will face a fine. And it's, it's, it's a criminal act, and, and the fines go toward the Game Protection Fund. Uh, it's one of those things, do, do, do they need a law? Yeah, it's, releasing balloons is a dick move. And I do like the fact they put it um, 16, 16 and over. Yeah, so some child leaving a restaurant doesn't accidentally go their balloon and then have to pay $25 of all their chore money. 
No, it would be arresting the parents. Like having seven police cars show up outside their house with a, a big file folder full of printed off photos of your child releasing it and what a bad parent you are and have defects take your kids. We'd, we would never see anything like that. So state delegate Nancy Guy, Democrat, who sponsored the bill, told the Virginian pilot, I don't think people do these balloon releases out of malice. They do it out of ignorance about how dire these impacts can be. By having a statute on the books that makes it subject to a fine, it's now possible for environmental groups to publicize that fact. What? What was what was keeping them from doing it before? <laughs> I mean, how, how many? What kind of activist are you if you just sit around going, "Man, I'd speak out. I just wish there was a law." <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty bad. This is Virginia. I, I mean, they don't even know what they're doing half the time up there. What if the balloon leaves Virginia and ends up in Maryland? How are you going to attract the balloon is what I want to know. <laughs> like, Exactly. I mean, I mean, unless you put a that, video up saying, you know, like, don't, don't, don't say it. People do it all the time. I know. But like, if you don't put it on Facebook or social media, like releasing balloons or something, how are you going to find out if somebody released a balloon? <laughs> the the black market balloon releasing trade? Uh, no, I, it, the... The only way anybody's going to get busted on this is exactly that. They're going to put it on Facebook. Uh, it's, it's, it's the only way you can. I'm just, I'm, I'm just imagining, like, Fairfax, Virginia uh, drones flying after a balloon, trying to capture it to take fingerprints off of it. And then you get into, was it on purpose? Oh, all 25 My God, of those man. balloons. I tripped, and they just... Shot out of my hand. Exactly. It's it's, it's rather difficult to prove on purpose. Unless you go on Facebook and go, my honey and I just released uh, 50 balloons to celebrate our 50th anniversary or something stupid like that. But people do it all the time. And also, how do you prove that a balloon is, I mean, I'm sure there's ways, but like in terms of for court and in time, like how do you prove a balloon is not biodegradable? Right. I mean, it's just so much. Like, I just really don't feel like anyone thought this through. Is is there a sliding scale? Of mylar take longer to biodegrade than latex, or vice versa? I don't know, man. I mean, if they want, what they should do is, if they're going to release the balloons, just like set the ribbons on fire so you can release them and then they explode. <laughs> they explode. <laughs> Fill them with hydrogen. <laughs> that that's not that's not a that's not a string. That's a fuse, Jessica. Hindenburg Sislogy <laughs> over here. You're welcome. Good Follow God. me for more tips on how to get through the <laughs> loopholes of government regulation. Boom! <laughs> so Giuliani picks the wrong candidate for Georgia governor. You can guess who this is. <laughs> Former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani is in... Giuliani is endorsing Democrat-turned-Republican who's challenging Governor Brian Kemp in the state's 2022 Republican primary. Vernon Yoga Pants Jones. 
the current governor has been a failure. I mean, he's had his time. He put, he put together an election that wouldn't pass muster in Africa, Asia, and undeveloped countries. He said something like that mm-hmm. in, in my worst Brooklyn accent. He did. He did say that. Ah, oh, man. I don't care. I, I, I don't care about, about endorsements. I don't think endorsements help you any. Uh, I certainly, I don't dislike Giuliani necessarily. Uh, I know his son is running for governor of New York, I think. I don't think it's mayor. I think he's running for governor against uh, Governor Nipple Rings. I just don't... I don't see where a Yankee lawyer coming down to Georgia and telling us who we should elect for governor is going to is going to help his case. I agree. I mean, first of all, Giuliani's kind of in his own little like firestorm up there in New York. Like they just took his bar credentials, law license. Oh, so I, he wasn't actually endorsing. He was coming down here as a refugee from. People's Republic of New York. I don't know. Yeah, he just. I mean, he just lost his license to practice law, which I don't think he was working as a lawyer anymore. Anyway, I think he's pretty well independently wealthy at this point. I don't. I don't know that this helps or hurts Jones. I think Jones has got a rude awakening coming when twenty two gets here, and the campaigns actually get fired up. And you're going to see people like Giuliani and Trump and a lot of other people stepping away from him. When his voting record comes up, when they rehash everything he did as DeKalb CEO, uh, everybody around him went went to jail. They don't care, though. They're just going to think that he's being attacked like Trump was attacked and it's fake news and this, that. I mean, he gets up there and says, you know, they're just doing this because I back Donald Trump and I, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm an outsider and I, I don't support the system. And he gives them that line and they're like, oh, okay. I mean, never mind that he was, the day he made his announcement that he was all of a sudden supporting Trump and this great Republican was, he, he actually hasn't said he's a Republican. What he said was that he left the Democratic Party and what he said was that he was going to support um Donald Trump, but he's been all over the map, and it's because it overshadowed his residency dispute. So many other disputes. Look, it did. It overshadowed his residency. He's good on guns. And from what I understand, he's, he's a hoot of a character to be around. He's not. He's not. Okay, I, I, at least not if you're a young woman in yoga pants just trying to get her workout in and not be harassed by somebody. Right. Uh, I don't. I don't know outside of outside of the fact that we've got a black former Democrat coming out for Trump. What his what his claim to fame is. There isn't one. If you notice, everything Giuliani said was that Kemp is a failure, not that Vernon Jones is this awesome, super cool, super principled. And and look, traditional Georgia people, Southerners, would consider Giuliani a Democrat if he if he moved down here and ran for office. He's a Yankee. Same thing with Trump. You know, 
Northern Republicans are Southern Democrats. You know, that's, there's, there's a cultural divide. Now, Jones is good on guns. And, and he always has been. He, he's, a, he's a gun owner, and, and he always broke with his party when it came to, to gun stuff. Or more likely, he didn't break. He just had to tie a shoe and, whoops, I must have missed the vote. Mm-hmm. His, his record in the House is, is, is awful. I mean, you cannot vote present as governor. You just can't. And I, I have yet to see what specifically Kemp did during the 20 election that he should have done differently. He didn't usurp he, control over all of the, the legislature and all the other constitutional offices and overturn the election by the demands of part of the population. The Secretary of State does not work for the governor. He's, he's a duly elected state officer. And you can be mad at Raffensperger. And, I, and again, I don't know at the point where the election's done, I don't know what Raffensperger is supposed to do either. Now, I, I, I know what should have been done before. And if, if we want to hold Raffensperger accountable, I'm all for it. You know, I've got a torch and pitchfork ready. Let's run him the hell out of Georgia. Let's find someone who can do things like count how many memory cards we have and damn voting machines. But that's not Kemp's sector of fire. And even in, in Raffensperger's defense, the county elections offices are not under, not in his purview either. The counties run their elections. So I don't... You're asking people the, who don't listen to what the structure of our government is, you're asking them to accept something they've been unwilling to accept for at least eight months now. And look, I... Day after the election, or the, the the show after the election, I came on here and said, you know, it it was a BS election. That there absolutely were irregularities. There absolutely was uh, vote harvesting going on. The the vote by mail was a debacle, and it was just filled with fraud. We know this. We know you don't go to bed with with that kind of lead and wake up with the exact number of votes needed to to swing it the other way. But we also know there's irregularities and fraud and vote harvesting in all of the elections. Like, people cheat. Yeah, we out-Florida Florida. Florida. 20 years exactly later, we out-Florida Florida Florida with with votes coming out of uh, car trunks, uh, with hand recounts that that there's no accountability. You You just take and stick ballots in bins. 20 years later... We don't. We didn't have hanging chads, but we have we have votes coming out of nowhere. We have memory cards coming out of pockets. Nobody has any idea what the hell's going on. But yes, there there are there's fraud in every election, and usually the the percentage is so small that it, statistically it doesn't make a difference. But when you have a, a race as close as as this one was, as all the the federal elections were in 2020. That you don't, something needs needs to be examined. But like I've said before, folks, we're we're stuck with these machines. We just bought them. There's no lemon law in voting machines. No, and we, Brad Raffensperger's to blame for that. Yeah, and, and we we can't we we can't just go take them back to Target. I'm sorry, these didn't work for us. 
Wrong size, wrong number. But that's why, take them back. that's why people don't understand that the irreparable harm that's been done and the damage should not just, like, our, not our party, because I don't consider the GOP my party, but in general, you know, people don't understand the, the divide. You're talking about people who don't, don't think election was legitimate. Then you're talking about another faction that thinks the entire thing should be it, there's people who still think it's it's going to be overturned. Never going to happen. Look, the the Q people that think it's coming up in August, no, it's not. It's it just is not. People, we actually had people in this country calling for the president to bring the military in to resist being removed from from office. Like. Suspending the Constitution. Only for a little while, though. Only for a little while. Just so we get a handle on the election. Because, but you're, again, you want to reason with people who are short-sighted, who, who, who don't want to, whose argument is, well, you know, look at the precedent you're setting by accepting this. Well, right. the precedent and that's, is that we do accept the results and unless we can absolutely prove otherwise. At no point do I want an Abrams tank rolling in front of the White House, positioning itself, and lining the streets with soldiers to keep the duly elected uh, president-elect from taking office. Now, regardless of anything else that went on, the electors sat down, and that's it. Done. There's no going back. There's no backsies. That's it. Done. Focus on 22, focus on 24. What does this have to do with Giuliani and Vernon? I don't know. Well, no, it was, it was the going after Kemp. It's how we got down this, this hog trail of Kemp's a bad guy and Trump, Kemp's got to go because Trump doesn't like him. Gotcha. So State Senator Tyler Harper is running for agriculture commissioner. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's a real big bummer. Ah, I mean... We we were talking a lot last week, a week before, that that it's time for Gary Black to roll on down the road. Yeah, but I didn't mean by like this. Tyler Harper has has been one of those senators who has flown under the radar because he's from South Georgia. Um, he doesn't really have any principles, but he never had them, so people never expect him to be better. And he's just kind of sucked his entire career. And 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 just sucked in a corner. And he's also kind of <laughs> short. So I think people just forget he's there. And now he's going to run for statewide office. We, we, we call that human furniture. <laughs> like, like someone who just sits in the corner and they say something. You're like, oh, I forgot you were here. Pretty much. I mean, he's chairman of <laughs> hey, the... Hey, the Ottoman spoke. <laughs> He's chairman of the agriculture or the natural resources and environment, whatever they call it in the Senate. But, you know, he, he has positions and but but he like I said, he's he he votes like for for guns and and he's pro-life. And so he does the he goes through the motions and he, he's never out front on anything that isn't really like game warden hunting natural resources oriented. Um, but I mean, he's, he's responsible for the nonsense that they did with the hemp. 
um, the hemp bill a couple years ago and cause, protecting his constituents. Right. And, and, you know, a lot of the timber legislation and, and I get that those are huge industries for our state, but he's never met a regulation. He didn't, didn't want to implement. And so naturally he'd want to uh, slip right into agriculture commissioner. Right. And, um, He's a seventh or ninth generation farmer, as if anybody gives a flying. Man, the hemp stuff, we, we talked we, we talked about it at length of the show, absolutely just ticked me off, especially after the storms that rolled through South Georgia, when those farmers could have recovered uh, very, very quickly. I was going to say virtually instantly, but hemp grows almost like a weed and has plenty of industrial uses. Hemp does not get you high. Uh, and, and instead he decided he would bow down to his corporate farm masters. So I don't know, man, but Georgia law requires a person to be a practical farmer. Yeah. So, cause there's another, there's a lady running. I believe she ran for state house in Gwinnett, um, last cycle and lost, obviously. I can't remember who she ran against, um, but she lost a single house district, and she's running for a statewide office. Yes, and she, but she also lives in Gwinnett, and so like a practical farmer. I mean, if you've got some raised wooden boxes on your deck, and and you grow carrots, and maybe have a couple honeybee hives, and you know, I don't know. Maybe if you grow weed, you could be a practical farmer. I don't know. I don't know that there's no. Le- I looked it up. I couldn't find a legal definition. Um. It's one of those things that that it can mean anything you want, right? And so, and but I mean, he would blow someone like that out of the water because people would be like, "What experience do you have?" And she and you lost a house race, and now you're going to take on the state. Yeah. At least, at least Hazel and Candace Taylor, both both were ran ran statewide races, so they they've done it before. Uh, Vernon Jones was at least won his seat, even though he didn't live in district. So he actually has successful campaigns under his belt. This this person, this person got knocked out in a featherweight and says, "Okay, I'm gonna go take on Tyson." Mm-hmm. So I, I don't get it, man. Jessica, would you please give us the trooper case in Scraven County that you've been covering closely? Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't want to. I would really like to talk about the story at length at a later date, but I did want to mention because it was such great news last week. And then it, it, so it's just um, I just want to mention it. But um, if you if you read the Georgia Virtue, you're aware of the trooper in our former trooper in Scriven County who um, was involved in a pursuit last August and ended up having to pit a vehicle. And um, he stated that he heard the engine revving. Um, he was standing near the car, the other person's car, and he fired his gun and uh, killed the other motorist, Julian Lewis. And we have the district, a district attorney from hell. She's was, she's Jackie Johnson Jr. And uh, she worked with the GBI to make sure he was arrested, and they um, wanted to indict him, and they presented it before a grand jury last Monday. And they kept those grand jurors in there for eight hours. And, of course, he testified and was cross-examined by grand jurors and the state. Um, but they kept them there for eight hours and 
returned a no bill of indictment, which was wonderful. It, the system worked how it should, but now we're just watching like the, all of it implode. You know, down here, the media outlets are being inundated with stuff from the family. Like nobody cares that the process worked or the system worked or it went through everything it's supposed to. That you know, these are the checks on the legal system. Nobody cares about that. All they care about is. Well, I read on, you know, such and such website that he was black and the trooper was white. And so the end. You know, and of course, you've been covering this and doing a great job with the Georgia Virtue, uh, as you know. Thank you. But the, the old saying, you can indict a ham sandwich. Well, she had eight hours to make a ham sandwich out of this guy. And couldn't do it. And the fact that he's willing to testify in front of the grand jury. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, grand jury proceedings are close to the public. So, you know, nobody knows what happened in there other than his attorney and the district attorney and her two minions and then the grand jurors. But it was the first time that he's told his story, which, you know, we don't know what that is. Like the general public, we don't know what that is. So... Who are you as opponents of his story to criticize it when you don't even know what it is? And, you know, they like there's been lots of arguments about how the case wasn't prosecuted. Like they basically went in there and just, you know, willy nilly, like did it half assed and 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 wanted to get a no bill because they were just going through the motions. Well, if that was the case, they wouldn't spend that much time in there because we all know that. On any given day, any given district attorney will present 20, 30, 40 cases to a grand jury and get true bills on 39 out of 40. So you know that eight hours worth was not just being meh. And so something happened in there. Yeah, something should, was said in there that was compelling to get, you know, the majority of grand jurors to say, no, we don't think there was a crime here. Right. And that's. I hate that he lost a job. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he'll get it back. I don't know if he wants it back. I think he should get it back so he can get back pay and then quit. Because he yeah, should have been I, on I administrative he, leave. He never should have been fired. Right. I, I don't know that he ever wants to be on the road again. I man, I don't know. That's uh, it, it is, again, really good coverage. And you had a, had a really good opinion piece on it. But this is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular, irregular basis. The never-ending war on landlords. The Supreme Court voted last week to leave the CDC's uh, moratorium on evictions in place. Good God. Yep, so you know the Alabama Association of Realtors had had sued over this and in May, there was a federal judge that said, or I guess struck down the moratorium. And I, I don't think that like made it not an actor, but but because it, it, it was appealed, and I don't really know how all that worked because I I didn't honestly I didn't pay close attention to it because it was still in place. But basically, that t- th- at that time, the federal judge said that um, tenants who claim financial hardship, um, the, the like the Public Health Service Act is not. Um, it's too ambiguous. It, you know, it's just too much and the court needs to set it aside. And so, of course, the Supreme Court, they appealed it up to the Supreme Court because the CDC thinks they're God, apparently. 
I don't. I never understood what the CDC had to do with landlords, how this was done. Uh, I want to know whose idea know, it was. I don't know because this wasn't. We can't hang this one on Biden. No, it was under Trump, but I don't think he had anything to do with it. No, not personally, but the executive branch does have. He would have had the authority to put to put an executive order and say, "No, we're not doing that." Really? Why not? I don't know. The CDC does whatever the hell it's want, what it wants. I mean, it it, it is a, a branch of the of the federal of the uh, executive a branch of the executive branch, an arm of the exe- executive branch. But worse than all that is what the Supreme Court did last week. Yeah, is that uh, five of the justices actually think it should not be in place at all? Yeah. So the vote was five to four. Um. Kavanaugh, Roberts, Sotomayor, Kagan, and uh, Breyer. Thank you. They were, they said, leave it in place. But Kavanaugh wrote the concurring opinion, and he said he voted not to end it because it's set to expire July 31st, and because those few weeks will allow for additional and more orderly distribution of the funds that Congress appropriated to provide rental assistance to those in need in the pandemic. Okay, you what, on principle, son of a bitch. Like, if it's wrong for a year, it's wrong for a month, yeah. it's wrong for a day, it's wrong for a minute. And it's and it's a flawed system that it took this long to get to the Supreme Court. I mean, that's like the entire problem with with the legal system at all is that you know here we are almost at the end. And and yes, the Biden the Biden administration has said they are not planning to extend the moratorium but that doesn't mean that on august or you know on july 30th they can't say actually right because we just can't throw these families out and he said and kavanaugh said and it was his opinion that um congress should pass clear legislation to extend the moratorium past july 31st if they so chose okay so first of all don't give them any ideas because the last thing we need is for that to be law and second, like I said, you, you you opted to make a decision in conflict with what you actually supposedly believe on because you're expecting that the government will stop doing something it doesn't have the authority to do. They could have chosen not to take it up and let the lower court ruling stand. You could have voted with, I don't know, the Constitution and the law. And so the CDC doesn't have the authority to do this. And then, of course, Roberts Roberts embarrasses my name. And trust me, I don't need any help. Mm-hmm. He 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 has been known to side with the liberal wing of the of the court. Kavanaugh was kind of a was kind of a surprise surprise to me. But you know. All we hear about are these poor people that that can't can't pay their rent. You you can't catch up on rent by not paying it. So if you can't pay fifteen hundred dollars a month, how are you going to pay fifteen thousand after ten months of being behind? Well, I did a little research on renters, and there's. Okay, so they, their argument is that there's 7 million American households that are behind on their rent. We don't know how many of them were behind on their rent before the pandemic started. We don't know who many, how many were on the verge of getting evicted. We don't know any of that. 
but we do know that they make up 2.3 or 2.13 percent of the population. Um, seven million people out well, of three hundred twenty-eight. That, that's, that's that's households versus versus population. Sure, but you're talking about. So I think the percentage is actually higher than that. Dave, I don't do numbers. Ma'am. We're just talking. <laughs> Girls and math. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't, the numbers don't matter. What matters is that we're making policy decisions based on such a small portion of the population. And that. Rental properties, by and large, when except for apartment buildings and things like that, but like actual rental properties are usually ninety-two percent of them are owned by individuals, and fifty percent right. of them have mortgages on them. So, what have you done to the people who? And we've talked about this, but you've made this decision based on this small percentage of the population, and and then go on to say that. You don't really give a damn about the people who owe a mortgage, which I don't think we should do anything for them. But, you know, they surveyed 250 million Americans who got a stimulus check last year, and 10% of them used it to pay rent because there was an eviction moratorium, so they didn't have to. Right. That's tomorrow's problem. I want a TV today. It was funny when the when the stimulus checks came out, all of a sudden all the TVs at Walmart, one, were out of stock, and two, were almost exactly the amount of the average check. You know, and look, it's I'm I don't I never thought the stimulus checks were a good idea anyway. They weren't targeted. Uh even if you were gonna give relief to, to specific people who were out of work, it, it went to a lot of people who never missed a paycheck. Government employees got stimulus checks. The ones that weren't over the limit, because there are plenty of government employees that are over that limit. But they got stimulus checks. They never missed a paycheck. I don't care if, if they didn't go and if you work for the tag office and you didn't go to the office because the tag office was closed for several months in 2020, you still got your check. Where a lot of people who were waiting tables didn't. And again, I'm not supporting a government program to do it, but if if you really are a bleeding heart, you wouldn't be writing these big checks to everyone. It would be a targeted relief. This is on top of unemployment, on top of any other aid that was out there, on top of the SBA loans that were put out there, uh, f- encouraging small businesses to keep their employees on the payroll and, and forgiving and forgiving the, the money they're, they're paying their employees. So all this money goes pumping into, in, in, into the economy, and 90% of people say they didn't use it to pay rent. But... Kavanaugh says it's not a big deal because it's about to expire, hopefully, maybe. Ah, man, it's just principles, man. Principles. If it is... I'll, yeah, I beat him, but just for a few minutes. So it doesn't, so, so, so it doesn't count. I mean, the beating's going to stop soon, so really, I, I, I shouldn't be charged with a crime. A it's, little bit pregnant. A little bit pregnant. Yeah, I mean that's his his re his he would have been better off if he had voted the way he voted and shut up. Well, yeah, I agree with that. If you're going to be on principle, don't write the opinion. Right, exactly. So, um, speaking of SCOTUS, court will not hear the case challenging Massachusetts income tax uh, on telecommuters 
who don't live or work in Massachusetts. Did you know about this before this? I didn't know about this. No, but I'm not shocked. Well, no. I mean, nothing surprises me anymore. But, I mean, New Hampshire is suing Massachusetts over teleworker taxes because Massachusetts has been taxing out-of-state teleworkers that work for their companies. And, um, I mean, first of all, how can you tax someone who doesn't live there? I don't understand. How can you assess an income tax? Well, because the company generates your W-2 based on where your quote-unquote office is. Uh-uh. So, oh yeah. They do it based on okay. where you, your ad, you file a ta- you file taxes based on where your address is. There are plenty of people who live in border states that have to file multiple state returns. I say border states, I, that's the border towns where, say, say for instance, you live in Phoenix City, Alabama, but you work in Columbus, Georgia. But that's work actually being performed in Columbus. So I, the the idea of telecommuting is so new. And I'm, home office has been around for a long time. I understand that, but especially since what we found out over the last sixteen months, that fewer and fewer people are going to the office. That you can live in Alabama and have a, and have your job be in Atlanta. And you only go to the office once a month. You, you know, everything, everything else is done by computer. Well, and so they're saying that it's, you're assessed on where it's earned. And then, and then you pay it in your home state where... You, where your actual work was performed. Right. And, right. and no, so there's... And and there, but they offer... Most states offer a refund, but not all states. Like, like if you live in... It's a, like in this article that we were talking about, it was... It talks about how if you work in... New York, but live in Vermont. Vermont offers a refund so that you're not taxed twice. Right. But not every state does that. Well, Massachusetts is not giving up any tax uh, tax they can get. It's just not. You've got, you've got big money leaving the Northeast just in droves. And they're... they're holding on to everything they can get. But in this case, it's New Hampshire and Massachusetts, and it said that they have like approximately 103,000 people that um, live in New Hampshire but work in Massachusetts. And those people did not go to work during the pandemic, and they're still most of them are still not going to work. So they've lived and worked in New Hampshire. But their main right. office is in Massachusetts, but they are earning the money in New Hampshire, and Massachusetts wants the money anyway. And SCOTUS won't hear it. Yeah, but you're saying that. I mean, that doesn't even go in line with what you're saying. Uh, no, no, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not right. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that there are a lot of people who cross cross a state state line to go to work. It's bad enough that the state sticks their hand in your bike basket as you're driving by, and but now they don't. You don't even have to drive by. They just take it anyway. Well, and, and the state can't justify anything those people are getting from the state. You're not using the roads. You're not. You're not. You're not taking anything from the state. You're not benefiting anything from the state. Everything that this, this you, you're not using uh, the protection from their law enforcement. So there's 
the state's doing nothing from you besides taxing. At least if you're commuting from Phoenix City to to Columbus, you could justify uh, uh, their justification being using our roads, our police protection, uh, our you know everything else that 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 someone would have. All you're doing is crossing crossing a state border to go to work every day. I'm not saying it's right. All taxation is theft. I'm just saying that the idea of telecommuting is relatively new with this. That is that you that you have an office in Atlanta, but you live in in uh, in Birmingham, and you never go to Atlanta unless there's a meeting. I mean, hell, how many people cross crisscross the country? Well, not lately, but every week to go to work, and they go to meetings regionally or nationally. You, you know, you don't you don't pay if you go take a meeting in Seattle. If you work for Delta and you go to meet with Boeing, you don't file a, a Washington tax return. So once again, taxation is theft, and government is asinine. Mm-hmm. But it would be good to have a ruling on it. I think it's important to have a ruling on it, given the pandemic and the fact that well, there's not this. There's these people in in New Hampshire are not exclusive. No, they're not. And people aren't. Tons of people live in New Jersey and work in New York. And when the pandemic happened, New York emptied out. So the same thing. Those people were not going into New York. They were not going to the city to, to go to work anymore. They weren't going into a high rise. And I think a lot of that is changing permanently. That we've discovered the last 16 months that people can be productive from home. That you can set up a workspace at home. That you can video conference. God, I hate Zoom. Mm-hmm. But we, we have all these resources that were never tapped until we needed them. And I put quotes again around needing them. Real quick. Matt Getz invites Britney Spears to speak before Congress. Quote, you have always been mistreated by America's legal system. Always. Always. Look, I, you and I were talking before the show. I, I'm on. I'm on Team Brittany here. I think the the, the con, uh, conservatorship is wrong. I think that anybody telling a functioning adult woman that she must keep her birth control in, that she may not get married, is evil. And how the how the court held that up, I agree. I just don't necessarily think that Getz needs to be getting Congress involved in it. I mean, priorities. <laughs> like I, I free Britney. I I want I I want her to thrive. But mm. and look again, you and I were talking before the show. This is not the same Britney that was falling out of limousines with with Paris Hilton. All all this is not Britney who's shaving her head. That stuff is 10 to 20 years ago. And I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. You certainly aren't. No, I was just 12. I know, a child. I know, you were five. I was 12. <laughs> but, you know, I was I was an adult 20 years ago. I'm certainly not the same person I was. It took a lot of grooming by Connie to, to get me halfway presentable. That, that she can take me to a function for two hours before without me completely embarrassing myself. You know, Brittany just did her stuff out in front of the cameras. 
and a lot of the stupid stuff I got to do in my 20s that, that would have been embarrassing, all her stuff was done in front of the camera. And look, I'm not, I don't feel sorry for, for that, you know, and she seems like, and, and she's a cash cow. I, I, think she, I think she's doing, a, she was doing a Vegas show. Mm-hmm. And all the money is pouring in, but she doesn't control any of it. No, yeah, this that's is not wrong. somebody. I mean, that's wrong. Yeah, well, we're not talking about somebody who is severely mentally limited, where they cannot take care of themselves. That there needs to be some sort of guardian to to look over this person, regardless of the fact that that they're that they're above the age of majority and and, and everything else. But they're making her keep her IUD in. That the, barring doctors from removing it, and look, she—I think she turns forty this year. I, I, I heard a blurb on on that, so I, I think she's about to turn forty or whatever. And look, her time to have kids is not forever. I mean, she is she's thirty nine or forty years old, in good shape, in good health, and all that stuff. But and I know women have kids up till fifty, but. This gets locked in the, in the court system, and she may miss out on her chance to have kids with somebody besides Kevin damn Federline. What's wrong with Kevin Federline? <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah, he's a douchebag. Oh, God. She got knocked up by a backup dancer. This, none of this would have happened if she and Justin would have made it. Or has she called me 20 years ago? <laughs> I don't know. I just but like the the screaming the, the guy who had a uh, uh, mascara running down his face. Leave pretty alone. Mm-hmm. I, I I think it's a, a, a horrible that this is even in the news. That it, that is that is this public, and that originally her father's intentions may may have been good. But this is this is beyond it. It's not even his hands anymore. He's removed from it. He has no control. Mm-hmm. But they could tell her she can't get married. She can't have a baby. What's with the dads and the the superstars? Like Jessica Simpson's dad was a little out there too. I don't know. Uh, I I think there's there's a there's a a psychosis that goes along with dressing your kids up, and making them perform on stage so you can make money. Uh. Man, I, I don't know. I, I have I have no idea. It for for the most part, being on Disney is not good for young women. Yeah, that's very true. But I mean, that's a whole other discussion of like. But but these parents continue to do it because they want their kids to be stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, Getz says uh, we want to help. The letter signed by Getz, as well as guess who. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Burgess Owens, and Andy Biggs reads, The United States Congress should hear your story and be inspired to bipartisan action. What happened to you should never happen to any other American. Congress can make things better. Uh, When have they done that? And, And you can inform our policy decisions. If you will speak to Congress, we are ready to listen. Uh, why though? Like, what can you do? What is Congress going to do? 
You just want to give her a platform to be heard because she had that in court and the system's working against her. And there's, I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? This, I say the system's working it's, against her in that, like, procedurally and paperwork wise and whatever. What I mean, she didn't, it, they, they ruled against her. What, what's Congress going to do? And she has, well, I don't know what resources she has because it, uh, it's sort of like the, uh, uh, the conservator would have to release money for her to her for her to pay a lawyer to sue that person. So it's a it's a it's a very weird situation because we're talking again talking about an adult woman. And look, if you're rich, you have the right to be crazy in this country. You have the right to be nuts. You have the right to shave your head. You have the right to get blackout drunk and fall fall out of a out of a limousine. That I mean that's. That's your right. Where what someone doesn't have a right to do is force birth control on you, take your money from you, and tell you where you have to live, where you can perform, who you can marry, if you can marry. But that being said, it's also not Matt Getz's role to be sticking his little fingers into the judicial branch. Hmm. I mean, we're just going to write the Britney's law. It won't apply because, you know. You can, in fact, not hit her one more time. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's probably the only song she I know. She is a slave for them, though. She is. She is. I mean, look, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of her music. If, I, if, I, if I'm in Vegas and, and her show's on, I'll go to it because I, I, she's a hell of an entertainer. So, Jessica, do you have any closing thoughts on that riveting information on Matt Getz and Britney Spears? Um, well, last week I think I brought up about chocolate and how it's good to eat it first thing in the morning, and I just wanted to continue to tank everyone's healthy eating and diets because this week they released a study that said eating more potatoes and french fries can help control your blood pressure. So eat all the french fries, live it up, dip them in ketchup or whatever your choice is, add salt, eat your potatoes, and tots. I love tots. <laughs> You are a child. <laughs> I love tots. Uh, Wednesday is Black Wednesday for us. It's our anniversary. The uh, the date that Connie made a horrible decision in who she would marry. Uh, we were married on 777, and she picked that date so I would remember it. Woo-hoo. We were talking before the show. I remembered the date of the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand but I couldn't tell you what my father's birthday is. It's in August sometime. <laughs> so. Terrible. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm terrible. I, I, I remember, remember my mom's because it was the code to the boat lift. Mm. Good, I could, I could not sound more privileged and white, could I? <laughs> so, on that note, please follow Jessica on social media. Uh, subscribe to the newsletter for the for the Georgia Virtue. You don't even read it. Information. How do you know I don't read? Because I can see who opens it. You fool. <laughs> I get stuff from you. Uh, it's a good follow on Facebook. Uh, it's information that you're not going to get anywhere else. Yeah, nowhere else, especially for people in North Georgia. You know, or Metro Atlanta, not going to hear a lot about the the case of the trooper. Uh, of the the other case that you dropped, the story you dropped this week uh, of the guy who spent 38 months in jail and then was acquitted. Of rape. Uh, 
of rape, yeah, and, and maybe we'll cover that next week as foreshadowing. But it's a it's a great follow. I think we kind of so, just gave away the. <laughs> well, if they if they read the Georgia Virtue, they'll be be informed of it. So if you like what you heard, like and share us on Facebook. For Jessica Salaji, my podcast partner, for Eric Cumby, our editor, I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week.